the weekly review with Roman. Today, it is Friday, October 2nd, 2015. I started off with a song by one of my favorite artists, Peter Gabriel. That song came out in 1980, so that was 35 years ago, and things have not changed. And of course, it's very heavy-handed, in a very heavy-handed way of opening up the show, but we live in a very heavy-handed world. Ugh. Keeps on happening. Uh, violence keeps on happening, continues to happen. And it's disgusting and sad and frustrating. And just knowing that this has been going on forever. Not forever. Well, for a pretty long time, though. Uh, that's that's a, a common theme on this show. Certainly. So thought I would open up with, with that song. I thought about it. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I like, I like psychology. I think a lot of folks do. And then I think one way of trying to solve problems, although at at this point, as far as humans go, and I've been having a lot of conversations with people who feel like maybe we're part alien or some, some, some folks do. And I know there's some like artists who have, who have indicated that they feel like they're not human and they're maybe part alien. Uh, Kurt Cobain, Tom York, uh, a lot of folks, and then just a lot of people I know, and I definitely feel like uh, I don't think I'm really all all that human. Uh, oh, Roseanne, she's one person as well, and uh, I know some folks might be like, "Oh, that's ridiculous." However, uh, if we want to look at humans, <laughs> oh, not we don't have a great track record. I, I mean, yes, there's folks who create amazing things. There's art, and there's architecture and literature. Uh, there's a lot of great things happening, and then there's also a lot of shitty things happening. And uh, humans continue to hurt one another in a variety of ways. It's not just physically, though. It's, you know, emotionally. Uh, there's sexual violence. There's psychological violence. There's wars. There's prisons. Oh, wow, what a great way of starting the day. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the Peter Gabriel song, I thought, was uh it came came into my mind uh, yesterday because, of course, it talks about the psychology behind it. You know, why do people do these violent actions? And at at the end of the day, um, people are looking for attention and affection and are angry. And I think that's something that everyone can identify with. It's certainly just how does one uh, respond to that? And, of course, there's a fight versus flight option and scenario, and I find myself in that situation quite a bit. I don't go into situations looking for a fight. However, I just, no matter what I do, I find myself, even in situations where I think I should feel comfortable, I feel aggravated or frustrated or feel teased or like pushed around, even if it's done in a, an affectionate way, maybe. I, I think a lot of men have this way, and I'm just going to generalize with say, and say men, uh, a ways of showing affection, and it's by, like I guess, teasing or being mean or hitting each other. And what the fuck is that about, first of all? Um, I had the, the privilege of not being socialized as male. And I know some folks w- w- have, I can't speak to that experience. However, just from, I can look at it from my own perspective where after, at, at 27 years old, I was able to kind of be read as male and just the fucking, the bullshit. There's so much, I mean, I guess there's bullshit no matter what, you're, no matter who who you're read as, certainly, regardless of gender. I do feel like in our culture, though, there's just so much of this just violence, and it's based on people not knowing how to either communicate or to be affectionate with one another, and a lot of that does have to do with, with men and, like, not knowing how to do meaningful touch or anything even kind. 
And then it just, it, it's like, it snowballs, it's ongoing, because if that's how so many people are socialized and brought up, if that's what people are exposed to in the media or by other folks around, then it just gonna, it's going to continue to happen. And it's just this idea of having to fight, which is ridiculous and doesn't get anything done. Uh, I guess, I suppose with fighting, there is that idea of, you know, fighting to fighting against the powers that be. I like that idea. Uh, it's the kind of the, the, the fighting down that just the, the bullying and, uh, the idea that violence is something that's to be respected. Uh, not, I'm not too into that, not too into that at all, but it's so ingrained in our culture. I don't know how we can really get beyond it. Uh, if that's something that so many people flock to immediately with just ways to, I guess, express people to express themselves. It's they, they go to that and it happens in all, in all sorts of ways, which is quite frustrating and sad. So, uh, I actually had a, I don't know why I say actually, but I'll talk about personal stuff a little bit and it's not, that's that's personal. That's, I mean, I feel like sometimes I definitely go to the, the political things that are going on in because, well, it's important to talk about, certainly, and the personal is political and vice versa. And also, sometimes it's a way of not dealing with one's own stuff going on. And also, you know, how much does one really, really want to share? And I guess there's a something to be said for keeping a mystery about oneself, although I'm a pretty open book. And if you talk to me, I'll, I'll share as much as I feel comfortable with. So I went to a retreat this weekend, which was awesome. And I'll just talk very little about that, but I'll make it as... Anyway, it was, it was for trans men, and it was just really incredible. And I feel really fortunate to have been able to go. And I saw folks I hadn't seen in a while, and I met some new people. And just it made me recognize how much I kind of crave that and miss that. And just by wandering through the world and quite often feeling alienated. And again, this can ha- this happens, I'm sure, to everyone uh it as a as a transgender person it's something and just how people view me most folks don't know i am unless i mean my friends know people know i'm open about it i'm talking on the radio about it so how you know i'm not i wouldn't necessarily call myself stealth by any means however just going out and about in the world folks don't necessarily know and it can feel uh certainly a little bit isolating just kind of even even when folks do know just uh the experience of not quite necessarily feel like I, I fit in in a way or just having different experiences and whether that's like not quite fitting in with, with men in general and then also not quite fitting in with women and, and how is that? And I don't necessarily identify as any gender uh, anyway. Uh, however, we have been brought up. Ooh, that'll go into the first story. That'll be great. Here's a segue. Found a segue. Hallelujah, we found a segue. Um, just... This I, the, the idea of the binary, and as you're a kid, you know, you kind of, you're divided. People are divided into to two groups, like the boys and the girls. And I remember when that was happening, and it's like this sudden division. And it's like, why why is this happening? And it goes on into adulthood, and it doesn't really end. It doesn't end when we think about locker rooms and bathrooms, for instance. IDs with male or female on them. Uh, and then just even the way folks talk about one another and view one another and there's this like idea of separation it's like it's an illusion i believe i really do believe it's an illusion because we're all spirits in these bodies maybe this is me and my alien talk maybe uh, as an alien part alien i don't know uh i (laughs) i feel that um but they're all we're all beings here together and the idea that all humans would be divided and uh, animals too because people are like 
this dog is a female, this cat is male, and it's like, oh, why does this matter? The idea that we're so divided into into billions of people are divided into two groups is ridiculous. And my joke, one of my jokes about this is, uh, you know, even with the Zodiac, there's 12 signs of the Zodiac. And even people think that is bullshit. And even with that, you also have like the rising and the falling and all these different signs, all these, all these different ways of, of being. So the fact that humans are somehow split into two groups is just beyond me. And I think causes a lot more harm than good. And again, it goes into the binary, the us versus them mentality, which can also correspond to war. You know, there's good guys and the bad guys. And that goes into the whole fucking gun conversation too. Good guys and bad guys. And it's like, wait a second. Uh, we're all going to have different opinions about this. And saying that someone's good or bad, it's, it's things are not black and white. They really are not in this crazy, beautiful world that we live in. Things are not that simplistic. And to divide people, especially, yeah, and then into war. Like, people are trained. I watched this video. Did I talk about this on the, I don't know. There's no one in the studio, so, and quite often there is, usually. So it's very interesting being here. Uh, and I just can go on and on and I'm not distracted or, like, uh, thinking about what else is going on. Um, I saw there was a training video. So, oh, yeah. Did I talk about this last time? I think I did. Um, moral... Uh, moral injury. Yeah, moral injury, which is what some vets and I'm sure a lot of other folks go through where it's uh, you commit an act that is offensive to your own morals, whether and then that might be killing somebody. And so it's, it's an injury that's maybe psychological or emotional or mental. Um, I apologize if I'm not using the correct language to describe it accurately, but I thought that was really fascinating how in our culture we're very much, we think about the uh, what we can see, you know, physical and I guess this also goes into like mental, you know, with, with mental health too. Like there's a lot of folks and there is, it's, if sometimes if we don't see something and we as a just generalized, if we don't see something, people pretend it doesn't exist or it's not real. And then how do we, how is that? How, it's like somehow not tangible and somehow not important in a way, but even though it's, it's there, we just can't quite maybe comprehend it or want to recognize that it exists. So yeah, so going into the, with with veterans and how there's a, such a huge 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 very high suicide rate among veterans and there is a story out about a particular uh i feel bad because i don't know the quite the right the correct language to use uh brigade group of folks serving the same unit and the their suicide rate was, was very 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 high and i was reading about this and then folks are posting comments and someone posted a uh, a video. I think I did talk. About, oh, I'll talk about it again. A video, uh, like a training video, and they videotaped from you know folks in the I believe I believe it's the army. Um, they're on the bus, and then they get off the bus, and the, they got the I don't know the corporal commander it, a, a person in a position of authority whose job it was to to I guess yell at them and tell them what to do from the moment they're on the bus, and they're just like get off the bus faster, 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 like yelling at them the entire time, and then it's like. Put your papers on the ground. Don't fold your arms. Do this. And like the entire, just yelling, 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 yelling. And that's, boom, there's our culture right there for you. Um, and I was just thinking, I wouldn't even, there's a there's a number of reasons I would not join the armed forces. And definitely, I would, just, I would not be a good fit. I can tell you that right now for a variety of reasons. And I just wouldn't be able to get off the bus. Like if someone's like screaming at me, you know, and not necessarily in a like, hurry, hurry, hurry. Like I'm trying to help you is more just like a kind of, boom, 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 like needing to have control over and telling people exactly what to do and you can't be an individual and you can't, and I I get, I understand why this happens. I just would not do well in this situation. 
And I think that's a lot of our it's, it's this culture with just this someone's telling us telling people what to do and it's not being questioned and if you step out of line then you're punished for it and that's messed up and we're not supposed to be like that as humans we're not we're supposed to love and create and to be there for one another we're not supposed to like work excessive hours you know folks are not meant to be in debt folks are not meant to not have places to live there's more than enough resources there's more than enough food but food gets wasted i had a conversation which i'll be playing later on the show it's a long conversation so i'm probably going to do half of it today and maybe the other half uh next week we got to a lot there's a lot to talk about and we're talking about uh all the empty apartments in san francisco more than enough to take care of all the homeless folks there's empty there's places where folks have been evicted and those apartments are still empty, yet there's people on the street. So fuck that. Just gonna put that out there. There's just it's it's backwards. And I feel like I've become I was definitely anxious and certainly like a little bit depressed as a kid growing up, and I feel like that's certainly part of who I am now, just recognizing, oh, this is the world I live in and I try not to take it too personally. because uh, I I believe it's just like it's this it's the systems that are in place and that things are so backwards and they don't need to be it's not just like life is unfair of course life is unfair and you know as a stone said you know we can't you can't always get what you want of course there is that there's also that fucking greed which is destroying which has destroyed the world it's i mean it's happened already i mean we won't talk about environmentally we talk about war we want to talk about folks not having their basic needs met when they could be met when they could be it's not just like oh oh that's a shame it's not happening we have the power and the control we could we have the resources to make sure everyone has their basic needs met. And because the systems that are in place and people have decided to defend those systems, that's not, that's not happening. So anyway, anxiety and depression. I don't feel like those are personal issues. I feel like that's part of a societal problem. And if you're awake and aware of what's going on in the world, of course it's going to make one depressed. Of course it's going to make one anxious because it's unjust. It's completely unjust. And we're complicit in that. So, ugh. So I come here and I talk about it, and that's maybe one way of uh, getting it getting it out there. And the more, I think, the sooner folks can recognize what's going on. People are waking up, and there are so many folks who are doing so much good work. That's the thing, too. I don't I don't want to shit on. Ideally, I don't want to shit on anyone. Although there are people in positions of power and greedy, you know, landlords or whomever who very well know that they have resources that they're not sharing and they're not helping people. And people who are warmongers and people who. Uh, oh, there's another, I can do another segue into another story. Uh, fucking, I mean, if you're against reproductive rights, fuck you. I'll say that on the show every time, but fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I'll keep on saying that. That's not even, that's not as, that's pretty much all I got to say. And I, I, I mean that in ter- with the most vitriol possible, the most anger possible. How dare you have the right to tell someone else what they can or cannot do with their bodies? Fuck you. Seriously, I don't think those folks listen to the, the, the program. They probably, I don't, I don't think they do. Maybe they do. Maybe someone's listening and they're very anti a woman having the right to do with, with her body, what she wants to do. And they're listening to the program and me saying, fuck you suddenly changed their mind. No, I don't think that's happened. However, uh, just venting the anger, I feel like is a healthy release because you got to get it out there somehow. And I know I feel like we're in the majority. Like uh, it's how does one, and I feel like this with the, with the gun violence too. It's like the most, we're the ma- majority. The majority of the folks want gun control. The majority of the folks believe people have, should have control over their own bodies. It's common sense. Yet it's easy to feel powerless because that's not the world we're living in. And that's at least the country that we're living in. That's not happening. 
but there's positives news stories will i get to them uh yes i'll start off with one and then we'll go then we'll go to depressing stories how does that sound so i promised there was a segue and there is a segue and that was talking about gender uh one of my favorite topics and gender which is ugh, it's ridiculous that it's kind of come into what it has where it's people are being policed based on their bodies however there's progress being made and i'm going to share a story with you all about that and this comes out of germany yeah uh who knew oh there's another positive news story that's coming out of poland as well so there's some things coming out of europe that are progressive and again this is kind of like things that shouldn't have been a problem in the first place but but you know they're happening so uh we're trying to rectify or trying to make good of what are some bad things are. So I'll start off with a positive news story. Usually I try to go the other way around, start off with all the really depressing news stories and then end on something positive. But today started a little bit sad and going to go into something positive and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find something positive about the news. We will. I promise. No, I, uh, that's not true. I can't make a promise like that. I'll do my best. So this comes from the Huffington Post. Germany to allow parents to choose no gender for babies on birth certificates. I think this is pretty rad. Uh, Pretty, pretty rad. Okay, on Friday, November 1st, Germany will become the first country in the world to allow parents to leave the gender box blank on their child's birth certificate. As reported in August, the move is an effort to create legal recognition for intersex individuals or children born without a clearly determinable anatomical sex of male or female. With babies reportedly born without clearly determinable genitalia at a rate of one in every 1,500 and many intersex individuals not exhibiting characteristics until later in life, the legislation seeks to take the pressure off off parents to commit themselves to a gender immediately after birth. This will be the first time that the law acknowledges that there are human beings who are neither male nor female or are both, stated University of Bremen Law Professor uh, Constantes Plett. Constance, Constance Plett. People who do not fit into the traditional legal categories will have fellow human beings with no sex registered. They can't be forced into either one of the traditional sexes in these other contexts. Earlier this year, the United Nations condemned normal, quote-unquote normalization surgery, citing research that surgery is aiming to create in either anatomically male or female body for intersex infants often leads to more harm than help. The German law reportedly states that if a child cannot be assigned to the female nor male gender, their status shall be entered without such information in the register of births. This is an interesting move, but it doesn't go far enough. Sylvan Agius, policy director for equality, uh, Sylvan Agius, policy director at Equality for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex People in Europe, ILGA, told Reuters, unnecessary surgeries will likely continue in Germany with devastating consequences. We live in a world where having a baby classified as other is still considered undesirable. Germany's move follows in the footsteps of Australia, which became the first country in the world to begin to begin allowing a third gender option or X on passports in late 2011. So this, of course, ends up being not as super progressive as we would have hoped, but 
step in the right direction. And of course, this idea, kind of what I've been talking about, what a lot of folks are talking about, the idea that as humans to be put in one category or the other is really, really problematic. So that's good, yes. It's a step in the right direction, and uh, hopefully other countries will follow suit. The U.S., mm, mm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath, but you know what? Uh, stranger things have happened, right? So perhaps the U.S. will eventually come al- along with that. And the, this idea that uh, if it starts earlier early enough on, you know, even if, if, even if the babies are not intersex, uh, this idea of labeling, labeling a human being, the labeling begins so early in life. And I think that's the cause of a lot of problems. So that's good. So I'm going to play some music cause I've been chatting quite a bit and then we're going to get back with some more stories. And there's been, ugh, ugh. I'm going to get into what's going on in Oakland with, uh, Ugh, gentrification there. And uh, folks calling the cops for no goddamn good reason at all. So I'll get into that after the, after the music break. And uh, let's see. Let's do some Temple of the Dog. This is Hunger Strike. <laughs>
and welcome back! That was Temple of the Dog with Hunger Strike. You may recognize Temple of the Dog because they were half Pearl Jam, half Soundgarden back in the day. Good times. Good, some good, good vocals there from Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder. That takes us back. Anyway, so, oh gosh. You know, I, rec- I, rec- I recognize uh, I could, you know, this this the the great thing about being able to do a, a program like this is it's there's no censors could do whatever i want one could i could just play music all day that would be awesome i could tell dumb jokes um i could have conversations about farting the the really the 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 it's it's endless really what i could do is endless and yet i decide to talk about the news and what's going on in the world and that does get depressing as hell uh, but you know what? Chose it, so can't turn back now. I guess I could turn back now, but what good would that be? So here to bring you the news, which is depressing, and so we play music. So I'm going to go into... Oh, Lord. All right, trigger warning. And there should be a trigger warning before the show all the time because it's the news. Guess what? People do really fucked up things. And it's the world that we live in. So here I am to report about it. So here's some more violence. Ugh. There's always violence. I'd rather not report on it, but it's existing. It's happening. Okay. So uh, this was posted, um, and also a friend sent it to me, and this was written by Davey D. Cook, who is an Oakland resident, and uh, also was uh, – uh, uh, I hosted the um, the Oakland Queer Mic, uh, Queer Open Mic um, in Oakland on Tuesday, and we also were speaking about this as well, and there was a demonstration going on at City Hall about what I'm going to read about, which was also happening um, this past Tuesday. And this is about people calling the cops uh, as a way it's, it's, it's just in relation to gentrification and uh, kind of folks moving into a neighborhood and wanting to take it over and therefore getting law enforcement involved. It's disgusting. And then what happens um, because of that? <sighs> Goodness. So this was written by Davy D. Cook. We have, I, I do not, know Davey personally we have mutual friends and I messaged Davey so hopefully Davey can come on the show sometime and because I think this is really uh folks need to know about this so Davey writes uh okay this is 13 OPD called to Lake Merritt because of black people drumming and Davey says I want people to read this and read it carefully this is what's going on in Oakland I've been saying this and for the most part people have acted like such things have not happened or they're acting in, or they're act, they are acting in disbelief. I noted in previous posts there have been a number of black people who have been badly beaten down when patronizing several of the bars and spaces that are primarily catering to the gentry crowd. This is not made up; it's fact. One person who was beaten badly inside radio. He has a clean track record, no criminal record or history of disturbance. He was given a thousand dollars to lay low. about the incident he is not another brother who is an executive with a clean record wishes to remain anonymous he was without provocation targeted beaten had his teeth knocked out nose broken and fractures to his face and was left out on the street bloodied and unconscious a passerby called the ambulance where he was hospitalized the club folks did not his case is making its way through court This is on top of incidents like the one we were all made aware of that took place in Whole Foods, where a brother was beaten and left bloodied by a security guard. 
This is on top of the aggressive patrolling of OPD at Lake Merritt on behest of white folks resulting in electronic signs prohibiting barbecue and amplified sound. The signs have recently been changed to add no vendors without permits. I recently had a conversation with a popular DJ and producer, DJ12s, who noted that for almost a year after the lake was refurbished, he was invited down to spin records for mainly white, quote-unquote, hip crowds who had newly arrived in Oakland. They saw the lake as the East Bay version of Dolores Park and would frequently barbecue and have him play music from a mobile system attached to generator. While at the OMF festival, Twelves explained that it was never an issue about the music until a lot of black people showed up, and suddenly there were complaints. Initially, the complaints were about the type of music being played, which he found strange, because what he was playing, the same type of EDM trap he is known for which was requested and popular among the white folks gathering around the lake. But when black people showed up, it became a problem, leading to a number of meetings and the eventual signs around the lake. Around the lake, popular fitness instructor, and pap, around the lake, popular fitness instructor, martial artist, and professor Sean Taylor has, for years, given free training to local folks, mainly women and kids, on self-defense. This was never an issue until a couple of months ago, when suddenly there were complaints. Not about noise, but by people who had concerns. Those complaints resulted in OPD showing up on three different occasions, demanding to know who Sean was, why he was teaching, and then making it known it was probably not a good idea for them to do training. Around the time that Sean was being approached by police on the next neighbor app, listserv, there was a lengthy thread from newcomers complaining about noise coming from room 389 on Grand Avenue and other folks who lived on that side of the lake, holding parties on the weekends. There was some pushback with folks noting it's the weekend and people have parties. There was a group that felt like there was too much bass in some of the music and it was unsettling and noise laws should be enforced. One of the next-door moderators gave detailed step-by-step -step instructions on how one could file complaints. The name of the OPD police officer who is in charge of the area and all the specific rules about noise, i.e. decibel levels, times, type of amplification, etc. Folks were encouraged to call and follow a set of procedures script so that the lake would not be that noisy. If memory serves me correctly, an officer from OPD jumped on the thread to let folks know he was there to help in any way he can and reiterated some of the steps outlined to complain about noise. This notion of unsettling noise was leveled on the Malong Malonga Cascalord Kaskel Center, formerly Alice Arts. There was a newcomer who found the drumming inside the building as problematic and was filing complaint after complaint while folks were figuring out how to accommodate this person by either closing the windows or put in soundproofing. Here is, a latest, here is the latest missive about what's happening with the policing of black bodies and expression. Keep in mind, as you read what's posted below, similar scenarios have been taking place in Harlem at, Marvis, at Marcus Garvey Park and in 
Lamert Park in L.A. It leads me to believe these are part of coordinated campaigns. Journalists like Zenny Abraham has been keeping tabs on a have been keeping tabs on a number of incidents and detailing them in his daily vlogs and newsletter. It is my hope that something is done and done soon about these types of incidents. From the writing of racist graffiti on walls to newcomers calling police on black folks over nonsensical issues, my fear is that sooner than later there is going to be a big blow up around these types of things. The write up below comes courtesy of uh, Carib Belling, Cultura, uh, Tres Sesenta. Artist alert, Sunday, September 27th. We have to develop a policy that allows us to maintain our freedom to drum around Lake Merritt. We cannot lose that right. Never. Something must be presented to city council soon. Samba Funk just experienced a terrible altercation with a new Oakland gentrifier about playing drums at a new amphitheater around the lake. The police were called, 13 cops, and several statements taken and reports made. It took hours, until 1 a.m., to complete. And while we were, st while we were st stuck in the cold to sort th things out with the cops, this gentrifier guy was allowed to walk away freely from the scene. He made false claims of assault against us, but he was the aggressor. So assault and battery charges were filed on this person. Uh... Sean McDonald, the gentrifier. Uh, the cops tried to persuade me to drop the charges. I refused. This is far from over, but just another reason we have to fight for our freedoms in Oakland. These new, kinda Oakland people don't want to know the real Oakland or what it's about. They just want what they want to satisfy themselves. Oakland citizens, Oakland natives, local artists, cultural artists. This is of grave importance. This will be a recurring reality. Organize today, organize now. This is the only way our culture will continue to thrive and flourish in Oakland. So again, this comes from Davy Cook. Uh, thank you, Davy, for writing this. And, and also just seeing that this is happening in New York and LA and it's happening everywhere and that it seems like it's like law enforcement is also just on the side of gentrifiers, which is not a surprise at all. But just seeing how this is happening everywhere, uh, it's important to recognize that this is this is occurring. And some of the conversations that we had on on Tuesday was that there are also folks are also going gentrifiers are also going after churches by saying that churches are too noisy when churches have been around for a long time. And regardless of how one feels about organized religion, uh, one would <laughs> assume that you know folks having a place to congregate is a good thing. Uh, and to to move into a neighborhood and then to just to start accusing people and to start to start problems and to call law enforcement on people who have been there since long before they were is really ridiculous. So ugh. uh so thank you for listening to that and please do spread the word and again that was written by Davy Cook. Okay, moving along. Uh, oh, here's another story coming out of Oakland. And um, uh, deep breath in, deep breath out. And this comes from the LA Times. Uh, this is quite a sad story. And uh, artist killed as he painted anti-violence mural in Oakland. 
Uh, and this was written by uh, Veronica Rocha, a uh, contact reporter. A mural artist was f fatally shot Tuesday while working on a community art piece under a freeway overpass in Oakland, police said. Police have not identified the artist, but friends say his name is Antonio Ramos, a painter who worked on a mural project led by the Attitudinal Healing Connection. Ramos and a group of artists with the project were working on a mural conceptualized by middle school students in West Oakland who reimagined themselves as superheroes to help solve issues in their communities. Oakland police said a gunman opened fire on Ramos about 10.30 a.m. Tuesday on the 3500 block of West Street under the Interstate 580 overpass. He was taken to a hospital and pronounced dead. The gunman walked away before police arrived on the scene. In the midst of beautifying the community with youth messages of hope and love, this horrific tragedy happens, members of the Oakland Superheroes Mural Project said Tuesday. The group said Ramos's death was the result of senseless gun violence that continues to plague our communities. The group urged the community to stand up to violence. The 4,000-square-foot mural is the third of six art pieces by the Oakland Superheroes Mural Project, a community effort aimed at eradicating violence by educating and engaging Oakland youth through art. Ramos joined the project in 2012 when he spotted a mural in Neighborhood and asked if he could help, the group said on Facebook. From that day on, he was working on the project every day, the group said. The latest mural gave him much joy, according to the group. He snapped photographs of the group's progress daily. He loved the messages and images envisioned by the students being spread throughout the community, the group said. On Tuesday, Ramos wore a smile as he drove up to the workspace, carrying a speaker to play music. He was a bright light on the team, bringing positivity, humility, and dedication to the project, the group said. The group plans to commemorate Ramos by continuing to work on the mural. Ramos's friends have created a You Caring account to help his family pay for funeral costs. And again, uh, this article was uh, written uh, in LA, in the LA Times. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, we're running. Ugh. Yeah. Running, running a bit late here on the show. There's so much more to get to. I'm going to play some music. And, uh, well, let's do, let's do this song. Uh, let's do this song. This is a cover of a, of a Genesis song. Genesis, a lot of folks make fun of Genesis. I, I do a little bit as well. I kind of like some of their music, but it's a good song of theirs. And, uh, it's a cover by a metal band, uh, called Disturbed. And uh, I like the kind of anger that they bring into it because definitely feel that. So play some music, be back with some more stories, and then we'll be playing the interview, the conversation we had with uh, Jesse and Brad. So stay tuned.
Okay. Ah, that's a great cover. It really is. So got a lot more stories. Not a lot. Four more. And then I'll get into the interview. So I'm going to read these super quickly. Uh, these are heavy. There's one positive thing we'll end on. So there's that. I guarantee it. So we're going to get into the first one. This is also from the LA Times. Arson investigation underway at Planned Parenthood in Thousand Oaks. Fuck you to the arsonist. That's what I'm going to say to them. I'm going to read this very quickly because I feel like, but I do feel like it's definitely, one needs to read it. So this is also written uh, by uh, Veronica Rocha and also written by Brittany uh, Magis. Uh, yes. Uh, let me just bring this up a little bit. Um, sorry, Magia. Um, M-E-J-I-A. Okay. As the national conversation on Planned Parenthood has become louder and more heated, politicians have warned that it could ignite acts of violence against clinics and neighborhood facilities. I'm going to take a moment here and just say, fuck, if you're going to... I can't... I just... The idea of bringing violence anywhere is gross, and then to... In a health in a health clinic, you're going to bring violence there? That's disgusting. All right. I'll continue. Late Wednesday, for the second time in weeks, a Planned Parenthood center in Thousand Oaks came under attack, this time by an arsonist or arsonists who authorities believe smashed out a window, splashed gasoline inside the clinic, and then ignited it. Authorities say there's no evidence the attack was related to the larger debate on Planned Parenthood, but said the West Hillcrest Drive facility was previously attacked by vandals six weeks ago. No direct threats have been made to the facility or clinic workers before the fire, said Ventura County Sheriff's Captain John Riley. You're putting the community at risk when you're doing something like this, uh, Detective Tim Lohman said. Whether it's, the, whether it's the stuff that's in the news recently, we don't know. A few plants near the window were, bl- were blackened, uh, but the small fire had been extinguished quickly because of a sprinkler system, uh, Lohman said. The fire broke out about 11.30 p.m., but deputies and firefighters were quickly alerted by the building's fire alarm. Nobody was inside the clinic at the time. Investigators said they have pulled surveillance video from the building's security cameras. Planned Parenthood has been under scrutiny since an undercover video surfaced this summer, allegedly showing executives discussing recovering fetal tissue from abortions for research. Cecile Richards, president of Planned Parenthood, said at a House hearing this week that the organization did not break the law. Planned Parenthood has been in the news recently because of deceptively edited videos released by a group that is dedicated to making abortion illegal in this country, Richards said. U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein said in a statement, the toxic rhetoric directed at Planned Parenthood has dangerous consequences. It sends a signal that using violence to close clinics and intimidate healthcare professionals and women is okay. It is not. Jenna Tosh, chief executive of Planned Parenthood of Santa Barbara, Ventura, and San Luis Obispo counties, said in a statement Thursday that we are determined to reopen as soon as possible to serve the health care needs of our patients. Our commitment today and always is to the health and safety of our patients and staff, Tosh said in the statement. The Thousand Oaks Center provides more than 7,000 patients with a range of health care services each year, over 90% of which is life-saving preventative care like cancer screenings, birth control, and sexually transmitted infection testing and treating, the statement said. Julie Mickleberry, vice president of public policy and community engagement for the local Planned Parenthood, said in a statement that attacks like this one are designed to intimidate and harass staff and the patients who visit our health centers. It's discouraging when people want to stop men and women from accessing life-saving services, Mickleberry said. 
Kevin Bach, 27, who lives down the street from the clinic, went to survey the scene Thursday. I am just a strong supporter of women's rights, Bach said as he surveyed the damage. I know what Planned Parenthood's benefits are, and it makes absolutely no sense to me why people would do this kind of thing. Outside the Planned Parenthood offices Thursday, Patricio Gonzalez said uh, had set up signs opposing abortion, Ugh, something he has done for two years. He tries to go out there at least two times a week. Sometimes he will stand outside for one to six hours. Gonzalez, who wore a short with a cross and the words, blessed all day, every day. I'm rolling my eyes. You can't see it because we're on the radio, but I'm rolling my eyes at that. Uh, said he had not seen anything suspicious. He held a white sign with the word adoption over a red heart. Okay, why don't you go out there and fucking adopt people then? I hate, I hate, this, I, ah. Uh, if you're so concerned about the idea of babies being taken care of, go out and fucking adopt why don't you go out and adopt instead of telling other people what to do with their bodies? I can't, I can't stand these people. The back of the sign read, ask to see the ultrasound. And it's not even the word to, it's the number two. Ask to see the ultrasound. Oh, fuck, I hate these people. I really, hate a strong word, but seriously, if you're that concerned, go out. But do we actually want these folks going out there and raising children if they're just going to speech, you know, teach them propaganda? See, this is when I get angry. On the show, every week, I get super angry at some point after it's, it just builds up and builds up and builds up, and oh, it's the specifics here. It's the specifics here. The you know in in the in the last I'm gonna finish reading this article. I will, but in the last story with the with the folks calling the cops on people in a drumming circle, it's like what? It's like these instigators. It's like they're the ones causing the problems. Okay, Whew. next. Ugh. Goodness, Ugh, this ding-dong. All right, so next, this is a peaceful, prayerful presence, said Gonzalez, who lives in Thousand Oaks. There is a way to send a message. You know what? Fuck you. All right, that's my way of sending a message. Okay, uh, okay, I'm going to read these other articles. Oh, goodness. Okay, so there's something else to get angry about, and it's Uber. I'm not a fan of Uber, nor the CEO. Travis K., not a fan of his. All right, so they missed a deadline. This is from the examiner. Uber misses data deadline. Uh, some so-called rideshare companies are facing steep penalties by not sharing data about their business practices with government entities. Finding a way to share some data, though, is key to potential partnerships between these private companies and public transit agencies, transit analysts and company officials said. Uber missed a major deadline from state regulators to, to hand over data about their business practices, which was initially filed uh, heavily redacted, which was initially filed heavily redacted for the public. Though regulators could peek under Uber's hood, the documents provided to the public featured heavy black bars, making most of the text unreadable. Hmm. On September 17th, Administrative Law Judge Robert Mason ordered Uber to refile the data, this data, with the California Public Utilities Commission in five days, this time making the answers viewable for the public. Four days after its deadline, Uber has still not filed the data, the CPUC verified with the examiner. The deadline to comply or challenge the ruling has passed, said Christopher Chow, a CPUC spokesman. Noncompliance with the directive could lead to sanctions. Uber did not respond to requests for comment on this story. The company was previously fined $7.3 million by the CPUC for failing to share data. 
as the CPUC crafts new regulations for tech ride companies like Uber and Lyft, both companies are being told to open up the books about business practices. And as transportation companies across the U.S. begin to partner with these companies, government open records laws may give rise to hesitation to share what the companies regard as proprietary information. Both Uber and Lyft have voiced in legal filings that they oppose requirements to share some data about their business practices. To do so, these companies navigate tricky legal ground, each worrying how much information to share with the government without giving one another a competitive edge. Uh, Susan Shaheen, a UC Berkeley researcher who has studied Uber and Lyft, said sharing data with government would reveal a lot about pricing where they have the most business that would be damaging from a proprietary standpoint, she told the examiner. The goal then, she said, is to reach a level of data sharing that would enable the government to understand more about how those services are being used and how the transportation system would be impacted. Emily Castor, director of transportation policy at Lyft, told the examiner that Lyft is exploring partnerships with transit agencies across the U.S. Much of this is possible because they share some data, she said. There is a tremendous amount of interest in the way public agencies can learn from platforms like ours, she said. Much of this data is generalized to protect privacy. Um, all right, so it goes on a little bit more, but you get the general gist of it. So that's happening. Uber's breaking the law. Or not the law, but kind of. Are they? Yes. Okay, they're not sharing their information. That's that's not good. All right, so two more stories, and then I'll get to the uh, – there's just a lot to share, and I just want to share as much as I can. Okay, next, Mother Jones article. Uh, this is uh, written by Becca Andrews. Oregon sheriff handling massacre fought the White House on gun control after Newtown. Cognitive dissonance. It's what's for dinner. Let's see what happens here. As the sheriff in Douglas County, Oregon, John Hanlon, was front and center following Thursday's shooting at Umqua Community College, which left 10 dead and seven others wounded. Two years ago, Hamlin was one of the hundreds of sheriffs around the country to vow to stand against new gun control legislation. In a January 15, 2013 letter to Vice President Joe Biden, he wrote, Gun control is not the answer to preventing heinous crimes like school shootings. All right, so there you go, and then now it's his job to go and tell the folks who have lost loved ones. That's uh, ugh, I, ugh, ugh. That's ugh. All right. Okay, I can't find a, a segue, but I did promise that there would be before the uh, I I start playing the conversations that there would be a positive news story, and I don't mean to be flippant or just uh to go from one thing to the next, but synchronicity. So remember that there are good things happening? Question mark? Yeah, sure. Okay. So this also comes out of Europe because I have yet to find some good news coming out of the States. There, I'm sure there's good stuff happening here. I'm sure of it. Um, so breaking news, Poland becomes the 14th European nation to officially ban GMOs. Maybe the U.S. will follow suit. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. Um, so this uh, comes from marchagainstmonsanto.com. Continuing a trend of GMO bans sweeping across Europe, the nation of Poland has officially announced its decision to join 13 other nations so far in excluding Monsanto's controversial crops from its nation's farmland. The announcement came via Informacy, Informacia, Antigia Radloa. I am sorry, I butchered that. IAR, a press agency working with Pol Polaski. 
uh, radio in Poland, according to this article published by Radio Poland. Poland will now opt out of growing GMOs with a specific focus on Monsanto's genetically modified maize, which many countries fear will contaminate its natural crops if allowed to grow within their borders. Opposition to genetically engineered foods has been strong in Europe for decades and has resulted in mass protests, including widespread participation in previous incarnations of the March Against Monsanto movement. Uh, the announcement is being celebrated by the GMO free and organic movement, but it doesn't necessarily come as a surprise based on what's been happening across Europe. Poland is now the 14th nation to exercise a ban on GMOs, joining Slovenia, Serbia, Croatia, Latvia, Italy, Germany, Scotland, Wales, Lithuania, Aust Austria, Ireland, France, and Greece. The final opt-out decision date for the remaining European countries is October 3rd. The Polish people have long been opposed to GMOs, and that opposition came to a head earlier this year as Polish farmers protested in the streets, even taking to their tractors and shutting down motorways to send a message about foreign influences taking over their industry while also showing their disapproval of GMO crops. The country is already among numerous European nations that prohibit GMOs, but this announcement makes it official that Monsanto's genetically engineered crops will not be allowed in Poland moving forward. Haha! -ha! A positive news story. I promised it and I delivered. Oh, gotta be, gotta be happy for smaller things. All right, coming up, uh, we'll play the interview with Brad and Jesse about Tenderloin votes and going into about what's happening in the Tenderloin. And it's been happening there for a long time. And first up, I'm going to play a, a happier song. Uh, this is People Have the Power by by Patti Smith. It's it's about what you think it is about. So we'll play this, and then we'll be back with uh, playing the first half of the conversation I had with these two fine folks yesterday. All right. And, <laughs> and here we go. And yep, and we're gonna pull. It. There we go.
Well, we should introduce ourselves first. Oh, so. yeah. or don't you think so? Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My name is Jesse James Johnson. And your name is? I, I'm Brad. Alan Self. Self. Yeah. Brad what? Alan Self. Yeah. So we are. We're with uh, Tenderloin Votes. We're actually kind of, you know, uh, independent activists in the Tenderloin. Um, and um, Brad is, is, is a there's this really kind of brainiac guy who, you know, I, one thing I have a talent for is finding people, right? And so we're sitting at this community meeting, and there's this, you know, a man over on the other side of the room who's sat through the entire meeting without falling asleep, which is rare, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, with, I'm there with a group of friends that says, if we're gathering our, our, our materials up, I uh, walk over to him and give him a flyer for um, uh, the uh, Wednesday organizing group that we're part of that's uh, at, at Hospitality House. It's, I think it's where a lot of us kind of, you know, come out from, it's kind of a touchstone for a lot of us. Um, and, you know, I do that all the time. People, you know, show, sometimes they rarely show up, actually. And then he, I think he showed up to, at the next meeting, you know. And, and yeah, that would be true. I think, honestly, I don't recall the origin of any of this stuff. <laughs> it's okay. I have to take Jesse's work for it. Yeah. Yeah, that would That's how I remember it happened. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but nevertheless, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of new. I moved into the neighborhood in January of 2013. Yeah, oh yeah, so, and I've been there 22 years. Oh, right. wow. So, yeah. Right, so I'm, I'm just brand new. <laughs> just completely and totally brand new. Right. Yeah, and whatever spurred me on to hang out with the sort of uh, political activist folks on the lower rung was just being in the neighborhood, yeah, just seeing yeah. what's in, the, and not the typical like visual heartburn stuff that everybody complains about, but the, I don't know, I don't want to say exactly duplicitous, <laughs> but just the, right. the fake bullshit, the fake activist bullshit that right, gets right, kicked right. up by the right. nonprofits that generally um, yeah. wear, warehouse right, right. us, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's true. The, the, the professionals, you know, the, uh, I, I guess that's where they are. The ones with access to capital <laughs> markets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Non-profit yeah. industrial complex. Yes, right, exactly, exactly. But beneath all that, there's, a, I mean, it's, it's, oh, in, in, in addition to all that, or parallel to all that, there's, there's, a, there's a real fermentation happening in the Tenderloin of, of just very ordinary, you know, flawed, you know, you know cri literally crippled people who are trying to, who, for whatever reason, have found this place, you know, come to this place and and and, and found it, you know, useful to them. And and, and suddenly, there's this assault on it. And I think we're all just, you know, saying, we don't have, you know, we have to draw the line here. Where else? Where else can we go? Yes. You know, I mean, where else? Where do poor people go? You know, and and I, I, and so we, we've no choice but to put the pushback. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The history of of social quarantine and the whole right. neighborhood where none of it was good enough until suddenly it was all really right. good enough exactly. to yes. do it. And then I was, I wonder if I uh, got it, I wonder if I tagged it, but there were, um, UC Berkeley did, yeah, yeah, this is it, UC Berkeley uh, did a study on displacement and gentrification. Oh yeah? Yeah, and the whole city is mapped out. So they actually separate displacement and gentrification as two separate phenomena. So actually displacement is actually occurring in what they mapped out as secure neighborhoods, mm -hmm. right? 
but their map indicates that of the um, five categories that they have, the tenderloin is in a state of advanced gentrification. Mm. So it's just one step o- away from Root. the mission, right? Right, right which right, is right, in higher gentrification yeah, right, from, from the, the morgue. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and the and generally the the cattle call from the the not for profits that are sort of getting swallowed by room two hundred right. is that, and especially Randy right, right. Shaw, who's my landlord, right. is some somehow believes and is broadcasting his opinion that the tenderloin is immune right, mm. right, right. to gentrification for right, some right. reason or another. And, so, and Randy's Randy's you know I mean a lot of people listen to Randy. A lot of people out there listen to Randy. Uh, you know, I think in, in, the, in the community, it's like um, there's a different take. No, there, there's a, there. I wouldn't say that there is an al, uh, alternative voice. Several alternative voices, and one of those is is a, 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 a there's the nonprofits have organized them something called Market Street for the Masses, and have have uh, come up with some you know uh, some standards or some some um, some. Um, rules that are, I guess, that are, are some some assets they want to give to the to the developers who are who are who are, who are, who are building now in the Tenderloin or or at the edge of the Tenderloin. It looks like what is Golden Gate Avenue uh, right now? It's just you know, I think it's going to add something like you know a thousand new uh, uh, units to, to just from from Van Ness to to. Uh, to where Golden Gate ends up at at, at, at market, yeah, I think, at the, I think at like, the foot of Golden Gate, right, at the foot of Golden Gate, which is like maybe four, five blocks, I think, and uh, six blocks, and they're gonna have a thousand luxury units, you know, and so it, uh, it's, it's an assault. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like a, a tsunami. But the market people message come up with some, some, some uh, you know, they 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 are trying to, you know, uh, negotiate for. Uh, 33 percent, you know, affordable housing. They're not only affordable, but like 11 percent for low, low, very low income. 11 percent for low, uh, for low income, and then you know, I think the, the other 11 percent is like you know, 85 of the medium, uh, whatever. Right. And then they're they're asking that you know that, that some of these people sign good neighbor agreements because if you're building next to St. Anthony's where there's a, a, a you know a food line of you know where they feed 3,000 people a day. You know, don't bitch about the fact that these people are there, but you're building next yeah. to them. You know, and so they, they have they're coming up with a fairly, uh, I think, uh, comprehensive and 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 and, and uh, uh, you know, ask. I'm not sure what else to call them. You know, um, at, you know, in order to deal with this, but you know, the actual in fighting the actual development, solving the actual development. Seems like to my to most people like it's an impossibility, and perhaps it is. You know, yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 myself in the community fighting it to the nail. <laughs> you know, until mm-hmm. I go down, and, and it, I may be delusional in doing so, but I don't have anything else to do. You know, it's like I'm not, you know I can spend my day you know engaging in other delusions. I might as well do this one. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty much my <laughs> rationale as well. <laughs> you know, because you know, surely I could find all. All sorts of things to, to keep right. myself right. busy, and I'm yeah, and I don't have really deep ties to the neighborhood, which for me is a little bit frustrating because I feel like I can't really get anything done. I'm struggling for purchase, but nevertheless, right. I can see what's in front of me. Right. In fact, I just last week like pissed my first person off. <laughs> it took that long. It took two years <laughs> to actually piss 
um, piss off a, a fellow oh, yeah. activist, Kelly, uh-huh. who um, organizes for La Vaz Latina. Uh-huh. Well, it was like a half a bottle of wine in the bag and on Facebook, which is not an advisable situation. And so, (laughs) and I was bitching. I was bitching about THC and bitching about Randy and complaining largely. That example, you know, I feel like I know um, the the people at Lavaz that that work at Lavaz works out of the Central City as a collaborative office and. Randy is Lavaz Latina's executive director. Right, right. Kelly says that really literally behind the scenes that Randy doesn't dabble much into the projects and working of Lavaz. Right, right. Yeah. Whereas for the whole sort of um, tenant organizer situation where throughout the the buildings that uh, THC manages, like their housing piece, um, each building, they they seek to have at least one tenant organizer in, in each building, and then depending upon the size of the building, like the Mission mm-hmm. Hotel has two. Right. The Mission is massive. Right. The Senate or the Seneca has or should have two. Right. Uh, at the Heartland where I live now, we have two. But at the Vincent, I was the organizer for a, a minute uh-huh. until uh, the management. And the the property management of the caseworker, the caseworker uh-huh. from the hotel marched down to CCSROC, talked to my community organizer, and told him that I was interfering with the management. Now, are the community the organizer, hotel. the community organizers, and the hotel management, uh, they're both employed by the same people? Well, they, right? <clears throat> the organizers get a stipend, and no one is really an, an yeah, actual but employee. But, oh, okay, no, okay, but they're both they're both uh, they're both paid by the same person. The way that it's ideally supposed to work is that case management is supposed to act as a foil. So there's a single case manager. A case manager is supposed to act as a foil for the tenant mm-hmm. against property management. Mm-hmm. Property management is really tight, hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have this mess in your house. Right. You know, you can't cause you can't cause this disruption. You know, and so forth. Right. And we'll write up lease violations and etc. Then ideally, what's supposed to occur is the case manager is supposed to be behind you. Well, actually, step in between advocating. property management. Advo- advocating. Right. Right. And this the role would also be the same at CCSROC. Uh-huh. So but these are all put in. All these pieces are put in place by the same architect. Right, CCSROC. Okay. The executive okay. director of the of the collaborative is Randy okay. Shaw. Okay. So oh, he kind of swallowed it. It existed independently for a couple of years. Uh-huh. And a lot of the Sixth Street folks were uh-huh. really um, involved in it, right. and then somehow or another, Randy acquired it. Uh huh. He acquired it. And the odd piece of it is that the tenant organizers in any of the buildings almost, they're, they're kind of like a squishy, they're like the, this soft cushion between management and the tenants. Right, right. But they actually, you know, their work is more to work for the property manager. Right, right, right. It's very, it's very odd. So when I, you know, that just became abundantly right. clear. And I was like, well, that's, in the first place, it's not worth the money. You know, it's not worth $45 a week. Right. 
and I don't want to do that. It's not. It's funny. It's like the 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 the, the PRI, the, the ruling party in Mexico for like what was seventy eighty years. They called themselves the provisional institutionalized revolutionary today, right? And it's, it sounds much the same thing. Where 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 once uh, progressive and 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 and, and uh, agents for change, or you know you know, or suddenly become institutionalized, and so they're not they're not. It's like well, we're talking about vast sums of money. Yeah, the yeah. last three-year dispensation that Tenderline Housing Clinic got was greater right. than the amount that the California Academy of right. Sciences got right. from the city. Wow. And right. the the Academy is always number one right. on the list when they go through the budget, right? And Randy nailed basically about thirty million dollars a year. Oh, wow! Sure. Well, right. No, and then you know, Tenderline Bullets, which is not. You know, it's, a, it's we're we're not we're not funded at all. It's, it's a little, it's a really ragtag kind of thing. You know, yeah. One of the one of the things I, when I went, the things I believe is that you know what we need to do is we need to ignite like a, a you know a, you know a, a, a Arab Spring or you know you know in, in the tenderloin, and and uh, because I think there's such a dissatisfaction uh, between t the tenants who live in the nonprofit SROs. They're also they're seething with dissatisfaction and frustration. You know. Yeah. And if we can get them, if there could be a legitimate kind of, you know, uh, you know, response to that, you know, I mean, it's like the thing is, you know, they, they, uh, many of the nonprofits, you know, they have their, you know, tenants councils, and they have all these structures that which are supposed to, you know, tenants are supposed to be able to find expression for their frustrations, which they have input into the process or whatever. They're, 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 they, they seem bogus. I don't know. I don't live in one of those places. But I know that they seem. I know that the, the, the frustration is intense, you know, yes. and that and that worries me because if like you know that if someone could drive a wedge between between the tenants and, and, and the leadership of the province, and we could lose it all, and that's my fear. And that, that's why I, I want these institutions or these nonprofits to become more democratic because I want I want to see them strengthened because we are under assault, you yes. know. Um, and unless we you know, and we have to be able to to to, to show United Front, you know. I just I just said that on the radio. Or should I probably mm, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, but yeah, it, it, it is an un, it, it's an unusual situation, and it, you like to go back to Lavaz as an example. Mm, Lavaz, he means. I'm he's sorry. Saying, he's, sorry. He's saying Lavaz, yeah. Latino. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a white, I'm a white person. So the, the it's not that the work that Lavaz does is less than oh, no, right. or bad work. You know, they're they're really woven into um, safe passage is not one of your favorite things. Right, but right, I actually right. kind of like safe passage right, a little bit. Right. They get they get a little bit too amped up about their <laughs> job. But I like the idea. Can you right. talk a little bit about safe passage? Yeah, safe passage is basically just sort of like a, a crossing guards with walkie talkies. Right, right. And, exactly. a, and right. a certain amount exactly. and a, a certain amount of a certain amount of very effective de escalation training. Right. So when some Someone, you know, most of the time, the, the entrepreneurial activity on any given block is already aware. And he makes the open drug selling. Yeah, drug they're not gonna selection. and whatever else. Right, they're right, not, right. you know, they're not gonna risk their. Um, they're not going to risk their business right. doing foolish things in the first place. Right. So a lot of times, um, when the kids are walking home from school, mm -hmm. um, 
the block clears itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, exactly. they just walk to the right. other side. Right. The the customers are generally the problem because they're a little they're stupid. Yeah, out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they could be out of it and out right. of it to the degree that you know it, it, it even appears like there's perhaps even a psychotic what, what, episode. Right, exactly. They're not moving. They're crazy. People are slightly off. And they're not moving fast enough, and kids are walking through. Right, you know. Yeah. So it it. it but, so but in, in, to add a little humorous detail, like on the walkie-talkie codes, you know, because all the walkie-talkie codes, there's various alerts, uh -huh. so everyone that's listening will know what's happening on, on what corner exactly, right. mm -hmm. and there's a brown alert. Uh, brown, what is that? Brown alert is poop. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So if there's poop, you don't want a parade of okay. second graders marching through it. Right. That's perfectly. Right. Well, that seems re that seems like a you know a useful, perfectly a reasonable thing. Yeah. Right. right. But then, um, it, you know, the, of the two women that that ran it and actually turned it into a, a feasible thing and, uh -huh. and became a nonprofit and got really good, healthy funding uh -huh. to to take it to the place that they did. The, uh, the one woman left, she left. She lived right around the corner from St. Anthony's uh -huh. anyway and had for like over a decade. And then the woman that remains and is now running it lives in Piedmont. Uh -huh. oh, okay. And huh. has, it has this really shrill approach, you know, and I, I don't think that she can get out of a sentence without the phrase Drug dealers uh -huh, uh -huh. being in and, right. and and just this right. and that's my and that's my problem that the, the way they they, they they I first of all they 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 look just like you know what 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 is it called uh, guard, crossing guard, guards crossing guards mm -hmm. and they they have the vest they have the but they but they have also the the uh, the walkie talkies and then and they and they have a more of a, almost a militaristic kind of you know you know tone um, to them. Well, they're right? watchful. It's, they're it's like, they're like watchful are, are, are Latino. They're well, watchful they're, Latino. They're, yeah, they're, 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 they're many. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're that. There's that element, and then there's, there's you know there's a lot of it's a mix of people. A lot of old, lot older you know uh, white men. Some, you know, a lot of older gay white men too. And I think that. And, and they're, they're like, they create this corridor of protection between the children who mm -hmm. are going back and forth through school and, and that supposedly whatever, you know, you know, danger, you know, looms out, you know, in the, <laughs> the sun. And I think it, it my problem is, is it exaggerates, a, a, you know, a, a fear, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there, I, I don't know, I, unless I've missed something and I've lived there a long, long time, I have never heard of any assaults on children. Right. You it, know? Did, so, it did take on that, that rather shrill time right. where before it was more or less right. shepherding these kids through right right chaos. which is, which is cool this. which is cool right yeah but but you know to, to in order to but to to take us uh, to take us that's one thing just doing that is one thing using the strategy of demonizing another right. member of your community right. in order to 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 which uh, is to new support yeah okay. which is which is right. new right and which comes from the director of the right right of yeah. the program and these, mm -hmm. and, you know, so and, 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 and a lot of these people who are part of safe passage are, are people who are new to the neighborhood they're they're immigrant or they're people who've been you know you know uh placed there by dph and, and other and other organizations and I, I just I don't I just don't I mean I fear you know when 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 the conditions start start being exaggerated I, it creates the I, training I'll have to say though but because I because I went through it the uh -huh. training the training is 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 uh, people power also called kid power uh -huh. right and it's it's really just role playing you know the possible interactions that you can have on the street uh -huh. and for the kids themselves it's really That's incredibly yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it it addresses 
issues like when, when you know, whether by circumstance or by accident, a kid peels off from the, the big group. Are we talking to that? Okay, so, okay, so. Anyway, anyway my, my original critique is that La Voss is kind of contained. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Right. That it, with, within the membership of La Voss, you can tell that there's just this natural leadership that's right there. Right, right. But similar to, and, and you know, Kelly does her work. She, she does she does her work and uh-huh. she has her own limitations and all of them are very real and probably include the number of, of people and the number of people that are working for Lovaz are also parents. Right, right, right. So, right. you know, they've got and working, right, no right. doubt, for yeah. very, very right. little money. And so, but it, they're just like the tenant organizers at the collaborative, right. they're held back. They're like held. Right. Held, held back beyond what they could be. And there's also a very unusual uh, sort of atomization of each of, of these groups. Uh-huh. And it, there's, a, there's a, a kind of a weird pride, almost arrogance over at the collaborative <laughs> that those people working there don't need. Uh-huh. Other people, any right. other organization or any other right. Right. people, and that and that and that's the problem. And I was, you know, it, it sounds like uh, the, I mean, what we're talking about is there's La Voz Latina. That's true of all the other organizations of the collaborative. Correct, so it can be true. You know, I, you know, the uh, first of all, I, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't know La Voz Latina as an organization, but I do know that the, the Latino community is uh, is uh, more as a, a community that's more recently arrived in Tenderloin. I know there are language barriers, so on one level, I can see why why there 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 might be some 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 alienation or some some uh, isolation. Uh, isolation I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but I think that as a community matures you, you, you know I think that as that community matures it'll it'll you'll you'll see it expanding and and, 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 and and reach out more and I think quite frankly I think my voice that you know it's going to outgrow the collaborative at some point yeah you know yeah. I, I, I have great hope for my people you know and I and I and, and uh, and and they are probably the, the most dynamic of all those organizations, those little, you know, uh, you know, subgroups that, that are at the collaborative. They seem like, by, just from a, from and I speak from uh, from someone who's watching them from a bit of a distance, as very dynamic and very exciting. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, and, all of that is and, great. And, and, Which, and the most clear-eyed of all the groups, you know, in terms of you know, but and you know, to sort of play devil's advocate against myself to say it's really kind of difficult to tell what part of Rand narrative he himself actually believes like right, right. what what he right. feels compelled to project and trumpet and blare right, right. to make sure that his funding right. stays in right, right. place right so and, and I, I myself am, and uh, am really really want to have made it not much one but I, I began you know kind of to, to make inquiries about the collaborative because I'm you know they're, they're another organization that right there we and, and um, the sixth success of uh, both has is based upon our ability to to make to form partnerships and to as right. broad base as possible. So like I, I only, I'm only now getting to know, just barely getting to know them, 
And uh, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Yeah, but the whole point of TL votes is to is to get people to recognize that it, at least in voting, right, you can have a solid single right. voice. Right. Yeah. And it's also you about know? civic engagement. It's not only about voting. That's one. But it, I, I'd like to see it about expanded to you know address the whole notion of, of becoming of you know democratic participation in whatever institution is, is you know looms over your life. Whether like whether it be one of the THC or any of the organizations, I think we can encourage you know you know more more residents on the on the board of these organizations, and we can encourage you know more you know more uh, encourage you know uh, residents to be more more proactive and more you know more empowered. Mm -hmm. Then I think you know it, it'll go you know, a long way in addressing some of the concerns we have. Oh, I did see, you know, to sort of like move towards the proposition yes, right, yes, right, that yeah. you talked about. This, I saw this probably a, a couple of months ago, maybe three months ago, which I thought I would never ever see was an Airbnb listing for a residential hotel room, but it wasn't the management of the hotel that was putting the listing up it was the resident oh, really? of the room uh, who was you know doing like we typically do for somebody who's like oh i'll sign you up for the 10 days right right and here's the air mattress don't steal my stuff right 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 it, but he was airbnb the air mattress oh yeah, the air mattress really wow. right so was he was sharing his he was sharing his hotel room on airbnb you know, and SRO? Yeah. Did they? I wonder if the management was in. Well, I don't. I I wouldn't care to get anyone in trouble over anything yeah, yeah, like right, that right, at right, all. Yeah. But nevertheless, I I never. It yeah. it took me by by storm. Yeah. I well, didn't we'll expect see, to I'd see like it. I'd like to see how that works. I didn't I'd expect like to, see to see it in any way. I'd like to know? see how that works out. Because yeah. if he's worked something out with the management in, in order to do that, because they, they can be pretty, was it, a, was it a non-profit or a private run SRO? I think it was private. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. private. But the way Airbnb works is like, you know, the anti-addiction mapping project mm -hmm. will have a map for all the Airbnb listings. Mm -hmm. And one of the critiques is, is like, oh, there's a place under the foot of the Golden Gate Bridge because the you know the listing itself will not necessarily disclose the actual location okay, right. of the of the huh. place the actual street address or location of I wonder the place. we can start Airbnb like homeless encampments and things like that well <laughs> there are there are in fact people um there are tents uh -huh. and tool sheds and really? spaces in people's garages and all sorts of uh, what what would we call that? Um, How interesting! So maybe that's a ad hoc to, to homes. ad hoc maybe housing. That's, maybe that's a way of, of, of housing people. You know, we can. You know, we can. Huh? Uh huh. I think um, also the back of a car. Right. You know, maybe we should like do a. a, a our own version of Airbnb, but for for homeless and for free. more people, yeah, well, for free, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could fucking undermine them, but like if we could, yeah, just offer the places for free. That would just that wouldn't that kind of mess up their, their whole thing? Yeah, it would. It oh, would, I like it, that. It kind That's of smart, would, you know. So yeah, the uh, what are the you know the numbers? The numbers that because we talked a little bit yesterday mm -hmm. about this at the meeting. So Airbnb, the way Airbnb works is. In New York City, and we know all this stuff from New York City because NYC is much more serious about it 
than here. They they consider it a desperate problem. Uh-huh. Um, the cri- the critics say like, oh, that's just the hotel, you know, industry uh-huh. and the hotel right. workers union and so forth. But they have a legitimate grievance, I right. believe. Nevertheless, the um, city does really New York City does really staunch data analysis, and rounding up and down, sixty <clears throat> percent of Airbnb's revenues come from 30% of the listings. Mm -hmm. So the top 30% Mm -hmm. of the listings, which would have to be the most expensive, of course, which include complete apartments. Right, right, home. Right, complete apartments, which we all understand to be basically illegal hotels. So that's what Airbnb is fighting to keep a hold of. Hmm. Right, their whole AstroTurf campaign of, you know, showing normal families not being able to afford to live in right. the house that they've somehow been able to afford to live in for years before Airbnb came along anyway. Right? All oh. of the so called legitimate users are actually in the sixty percent below uh-huh. the top wow. thirty. And they don't make as much money right, right. off of that as they do. The, my part of the conversation with some of the people that consider themselves to be legitimate um, hosts was that, you know, you guys botched this <laughs> the first time alone because you let Airbnb put a ring through your nose mm-hmm. and you fought for them right. instead of fighting for right. yourself. Right. And exactly. so act Two, a month later, when Compass's legislation came back to uh-huh. room 250 for the vote that big failed, right. of course, those people had kind of woken up a little bit and, and sort of realized that that had occurred. And they put together, um, there's, there's a Democratic club. Uh-huh, right. There's a, a, another a listserv that has no affiliation with Airbnb, VROB, or any of the other oh, things. Right. They've sort of like put themselves right. together that right. way. And their greatest um, complaint about Prop F is that it limits them to 75 days a year. Uh-huh. So, you uh-huh. know, like at at Hospitality House yesterday, my example of um, a friend of mine, a couple that bought a house in Glenview that has a, an in-law that's not registered with the tax assessor's office. Right. So the house is still right. understood right. to be, right. for tax purposes, a single family home. Right. And there's t- there's thousands and thousands of those, right? Mm-hmm. Thousands and that all over the West Side, you know, all those single family homes have some strange room holding the hill up right, right, behind yeah, the garage. Right, yeah. So they rent that room out on Airbnb for 300 days a year. It has its own entrance, it has its own bathroom. I imagine that they put together a little bit of a provisional kitchen how, because... How expensive is it, are those places? I, I would not know exactly how much they list their in-law for per day or per week or per month but it the income from the in-law by renting short term allows my friend to be a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. and she was 
previous, you know, she she she's not a slouch work way. She's right. like she was a project manager for a structural engineering firm, mm -hmm. big big structural engineering, firm, you know, and pulled and her husband is a biotech guy, mm -hmm. so that's who do they rent to? Are they tourists and people like that or? I don't know because she doesn't really divulge any longer right. the details of it since, and she take it, it. It's sad because she takes it really personally. So, no, why did she have to be? Uh, why did she have to list on? They were doing that before. Uh, well, see, existed right. Right, Airbnb is just a matter of convenience. Right, right. It's like a package. Right, that but that's when it supposedly became, makes it really but, easy to do. But that's when it became a problem for them when they like, hooked onto them, right? Because they were doing it beforehand. No, they didn't have the house. Oh, have yeah, the house is the house is. A new, so why don't they just drop out of Airbnb and just continue to do it with whatever clients they've already established? You know. They probably will, but now that they're they've become registered with the city, uh -huh. right? They in, have in, to, oh. in an effort to be completely legit. Right, 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 and and defend and define themselves as right. legitimate home sharers. Right, right, right. They're they're on they're a dot on. A, on the radar at this point. And, and you can't drop out of that, off that, that, that thing? Don't know. I really don't know how they'll, um, how, how how they'll reshuffle. Right? I mean, you know, it already was. It was right, underground right, on Craigslist years and, and, before. And this has been right, going on Airbnb forever. Just, Airbnb decided to turn it into yeah. like this globally loud, yeah. you know, visual thing. So they can make money off of it. Right, and it, the, a, a component of, of the Airbnb site is kind of like Yelp for yeah. people. Right, right. Well, yeah, well, years ago, there was, I was big into couch surfing, and years right. ago, the couch right. surfing, uh, there was, I remember there was a debate as to whether or not to let some of the information become accessible to like third parties. Uh -huh. And I think that fed directly into Airbnb, what Airbnb has become, because Couchsurfing was just like that, but without right, exactly. people having to pay exactly. for a place to stay. Exactly, or, or, not pay, or at least not pay outrageous prices. It was, it was, that, was, that was really a sharing economy. You know, you're mm -hmm. right. You know, you're right. It's like getting a ride. It's like, you know. You know, like hitchhiking, and then now there's like Uber. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, yeah, we, uh, we right. just need to dial back. You know, why did we fall for that, you know? It's like. Mm -hmm. And and so they're just like loaded with cash. Mm -hmm. Airbnb is just loaded with cash, and that's the other point. They've collected eight million dollars. I have a list. I think it was the weekly. I think SF Weekly published a list of the top six or nine people that and uh, corporations that are benefiting from mm -hmm. the eight million dollars that Airbnb raised, and of course they're, you know, PR firms and so forth. And what we don't know, but they don't know are how many lawyers have been put on retainer. Because you know that if, if the proposition passes, mm -hmm. it'll immediately go to court. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is for F. Yes. Yeah, for F. So, so if Proposition F passes, it's, it's going to cause a lot of frustration amongst the, person, the, people, like, amongst the people like your friends that, that you're describing, right? Would that push them to to withdraw from Airbnb? Do you think, or no? I or think just push them further into their camp. You know, my my feeling is, and from having been in room two fifty mm -hmm. with this uh, crowd of people, they're generally, you know, they're pretty typical ownership class. Right, right. People with all, you know, that are are spurred and spun by their quality of life. Obsessions. They would otherwise be complaining about right. some other thing, 
right? They would, yeah, they would, would they would be complaining about someone's loud the car, dogs, yeah. yeah, or music, yeah, right, of right, course, right. yeah, or right. coming together to complain about the naked people, or right, right. whatever, whatever it is that they do. So that sense of an, that that sense of entitlement is mm -hmm. not necessarily going to undo them. Mm -hmm. I don't think um, it. It's they'll figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll solve their own problem mm -hmm. one way or another if they have to go underground or not. And I think basically, like, you know, we say the complaint in the tunnel, like, what's what's wrong with the tenderloin? Right. Aside from the sort of visual heartburn if you're driving down Leavenworth, right, right. you know, th there's all kinds of things in the, neighbor in the neighborhood already. Right, right. Right. There's all sorts of services for absolutely everybody that lives there. There's cultural institutions for all of the people in disparate ethnic groups that live there. The only thing that's not there is stuff for white people. Mm, so that's the complaint, that's, yeah. largely. Right. So, <laughs> you know, that that's that's sort of largely the complaint. So piano fight, original Joe's becomes a piano fight. Right. And who knows what? And that I guess makes some people happy. Right. Right. Or, or uh -huh. whatever. But so this it, the same. You know, the complaint, the complaints are are sort of related. Right. right. And what is essentially being taken away, I think, in front beyond the income is actually the ease. Of generating the income, right, right. Just the, right. just the app on your phone. Click. Here's a person. There's their face. You talk to them. They come. It's not a problem. Right, right. Exactly. And everything is, lovely. Right, right. Exactly. And they don't want, to, you know, the other astonishing numbers, like the high estimate and the low estimates, thirty-five thousand. The city itself says somewhere between twenty-two and twenty-four thousand. Apartments, rentable apartments, are empty because landlords don't want to enter into a tenant relationship under rent control for mm. what for whatever reason. So that number of apartments would immediately solve the problem. Right. So in in in, in war, when there are shortages and, and and people hold back on resources, what's that? That's called like is that hoarding? What's there's a word for that? It's hoarding or or. But, but, well, my great grandparents ran a black market right. grocery but, store but, but during but, but World but War II. Never, never it's a crime, right? It's considered, it's considered, uh, yeah. it's considered treason. Right. So the problem is, if, if homelessness didn't mean death, you know, if people are out in the street, if being homeless didn't lead to, to people dying, right. then I, you know, you know, I, I might be okay with people holding back these apartments. But to know that a solution to, you know, to, to saving these people's lives is right there, and people are holding back from, from letting that be a solution out of pure greed, is, is, is infuriating. Yes. The apartment that I, the apartment that I was evicted from in January of 2013, on January 9th, the day it has been empty since the day wow. I walked out of it. Right. You know, and six people, room by room, I mean, eight people could live there. Right. You know, Amazing. if yeah. they advertise it as a four bedroom and mm -hmm. they get away with it, maximum occupancy would actually be nine people. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's empty. Right. It's empty. I still, I still feel like it's mine. We should go to the <laughs> Do they, do they, do they, do they Yeah, they have it? a property manager now. Oh, really? But it's empty. Of, yeah, but it's still empty. Oh, God. Anyway. That's interesting. Well, you know, one of the things, so, uh, just, just kind of, I just want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're thinking about doing is maybe um, 
having uh, around Halloween, doing a, uh, a ghost of the evicted kind of march, mm. you know, through the Tenderloin, you know. Um, or, you know, I don't know, maybe we should just, you know, get everybody all over the city to just dress up like ghosts of the evictions and just haunt these places. <laughs> like, you know, a, yeah. you know, all day, you know, just, haunt, just sit in front of their place for just all day long or something. Or maybe, or walk, or, or, or just squat in these, in these apartments. Just yeah. Every, uh, in, you know, during Austin Tyler, you know, weekend, holiday weekend, you know? Yeah. And dress yeah. up as ghosts. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But. Okay, and as you can see, the conversation goes on, and there's a lot more to say, and we'll be back next week playing the, the last part of this conversation, and we'll go into the um, propositions as well. And I'll just read them off as well. This is from the CCHO 2015 Affordable City Voter Guide, and we'll talk more about this um, from the rest of this conversation again next week. So we'll go into these the propositions more there. And it's A, uh, A is yes, D is yes, F is yes, I is yes, J is yes, K is yes, C and E are no. So again, we'll be talking more about this. Uh, there's always just so much to say and running low on time here, so I have to wrap up. Um, but thanks again to Brad and Jesse, and we'll be getting into the, as again, said, ugh, lot. We'll be getting into the propositions uh, next week on the, the episode next week. So I'm going to pause this interview and finish up the next 20, the last 20 minutes will be on next next week's episode. So thank you all so much for listening. And I'm going to do a, a brief plug for a show that's happening tonight in the mission, and it's a fundraiser. It's a comedy show, and all the comedians are are uh, female, so that's 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 um, awesome. Uh, as far as uh, yeah, so this is from SF War, and uh, this is uh, San Francisco Women Against Rape, and this show is happening tonight uh, at 6:30 p.m. at the Mission Cultural Center for Latino Arts, and that is at ooh, the print here is pretty small. I'm going to enlarge it a little bit. It is at a 2866 Mission, 28, sorry, 2868 Mission Street at 25th Street. And tickets are available, and you can find this on Facebook. And it's uh, She Who Laughs Lasts. Yeah, She Who Laughs Lasts. And this is a uh, fundraiser. Uh, and the invite says, rape is not a laughing matter, but humor becomes a powerful tool in fighting sexual assault at She Who Laughs lasts join us for a lighthearted evening of laughter with hilarious comedians on friday october 2nd 2015 at the beautiful mission cultural center for latino arts uh yes so yeah that's happening tonight 6 30 i will be there uh hope to see some other folks there as well so thanks again to brad and jesse and again we'll continue out that conversation next week's episode playing some music um, do not believe that Global Val is coming in today with Women's Magazines. We'll, we will be playing. Ugh, we'll be playing an episode from uh, the previous weeks, and I'll I'll uh, get out with some music. Uh, this is a brilliant, brilliant uh, version of "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" featuring Prince and Tom Petty, uh, Steve Winwood, and Jeff Lynne, and somebody else as well, and others, and others. Everyone's favorite others. So. Um, everyone, please have a great week, and I'll be back next week. And take care.
Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm gonna guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives.
Tim Dushmoke. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the best of San Francisco's underground comedy scene here every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's only $2. You can bring your own beer and listen to comedy here every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., 21st in Florida. It's mutinyradio.fm. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in. Turn on every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl T. Uh, Francisco Herrera, um, we also have Amy Farrow Weiss, and broke-ass Stuart Sheffman, but you'll see only see Stuart Sheffman on the ballot. They won't let him put broke-ass, but that's okay. <laughs> that's, we understand, we understand. I actually asked them, I said, when they said, uh, your profession, what is it? I said, can I put motherfucking hustler? They said no. <laughs> Censorship. <laughs> so this is Mutiny Radio, so we're not about censorship. <laughs> so thank you all for being here. I also want to introduce my co-producer for today's show, um, Roman Raymer, who was the ho- who is the weekly host of the Weekly Review here at Mutiny Radio from 12 to 2 p.m. Um, so if you missed the last hour, he had a great conversation with these three candidates, and you'll be able to download that podcast from MutinyRadio.fm. Um, and so he's in the booth operating the board while I'm out here in the gallery space to moderate this panel. Um, A little bit about me, and then I'll explain how we'd like this to work today. So uh, my name is Valerie Ibera. I am a fifth generation San Franciscan, Hmm. and I also have a bachelor's degree in international relations, uh, political science from UC Santa Barbara. 
And we have two uh, other UC graduates here, UC Santa Cruz. Um, but today I'm kind of hearkening back to high school where I got an early start moderating debates as part of JSA, which is the Junior Statesman of America. Uh, I was a scholarship student at St. Ignatius College Preparatory High School here in San Francisco. So you could say my back in my background is one of privilege, if not means. Um, but that said, as your moderator today, I'm not here to put forward any specific political agenda, but I am interested in free speech and the political process and inclusive democracy, so informing the public and letting people make informed choices. So that is why it is my great service to welcome these three candidates here and the members of the public to Mutiny Radio here today. Uh, of course, the only notable bias is that these are only three of the six candidates who are running for mayor. Um, but these three have reached out to this community here in the Mission District um, and, and at Mutiny Radio and have formed an interesting coalition, which I'll ask them to address shortly in just a few minutes. So this is how we'd like it to work. I'll let the candidates kind of introduce themselves and then we'll talk a little bit about ranked choice voting and what it means in this mayoral election. And then we'll take the first audience question. So you can see that there's a microphone set up over on the other side of the room. Um, so feel free to either line up or just raise your hand or let me know that you want to ask a question. And uh, you can wait and uh, ask your question over there. Um, but we also have uh, some questions that people wrote in in advance. So we're going to kind of alternate between write-in questions and live questions from the people who are here today. So thank you all for being here. Um, we're going to try to do cover as much as we can in the next about 40, 45 minutes. So I do ask that we try to keep both the questions and the responses brief but meaningful. So without further ado, uh, Amy Farrell-Weiss, Francisco Herrera, and Stuart Sheffman, would you each take about two or three minutes to introduce yourself and tell us about your campaign for mayor of San Francisco? And also feel free to mention any official endorsements that you've received. Great. 